AAT Birds Weekly Report is the Eagle News, notes, and analysis you need. Welcome to a, another edition of the AT Birds Weekly Report. Uh, I myself, Johnny Lucka, is joined as always by Kendall at Quebec Eagles, and we have a special guest tonight. We have Devin Jackson from the Philly Enquirer. He's uh, going to talk to us a little bit about some Eagles stuff. Uh, very happy to get you on. I know we had to change things around. Uh, we had you scheduled for a little later time, but I am appreciative you able to change up your schedule. Um, but uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um... Yeah, it's it's been crazy. Um last few months just depressing decompressing from the NFL draft and, and obviously everything that happened there and um uh, you know OTAs starting up and whatnot. So happy to come on and, and and thanks for having me on. So you you mentioned the NFL draft, and I know you do a lot with that. Um your content's real, you know, great with all of that stuff. I want your thoughts of what the Eagles did uh during the draft. Yeah, I was floored, uh, to to simply put it. Um, being there in the draft and seeing everything unfolding, um, you know, once I saw, you know, Jalen Carter fall past a certain uh, certain teams that I thought, okay, for sure they're they're gonna take him. Uh and he kept tumbling down. Uh, I told someone there, like at, I think it was at pick seven, uh, when the Cardinals took Pierre Johnson that I think the Eagles are gonna uh trade up and get Jalen Carter and only had to trade out one spot to get him, and and just to see everyone's reaction, I mean, everyone was was mad in the room, you know, because there, I mean, there was a ton of weren't ton a ton of Eagles reporters there, so like you had Cowboys reporters, other NFC reporters, even uh, AFC reporters that just were dumbfounded that you know the Eagles once again, you know, kind of took the simplistic approach, but uh, took a, a player that's probably should have been the one player off the board, but, but obviously we know what happened there. Um, but to get him and Nolan Smith, uh, I thought if, if the Eagles weren't going to get Carter at 10, they, they might take Smith at 10 and, and get him at 30. You, you really can't ask for much more than that, you know, especially out of a first round. Then, then of course they make the day two trades kind of move around a little bit, uh, get Sidney Brown, uh, Tyler Steen. I think those are two rock solid players that, that you, can bring in and, and really build around and uh, have, you know, you don't maybe not necessarily throw them into the mix immediately, but they certainly have the ability uh, to play it right away if need be. Um, so uh, overall, I mean, and then, then obviously Keely Ringo early in the fourth, um, you know, and then, then get Tanner McKee and a few other names. I think overall it was a really good draft. Um, you know, I, I think when you, when you look at, you know, how what 
what do they plan on addressing, you know, and what did they come in needing to address? And I think for the most part, they did that. I mean, you got uh, a guy that can play in, in, you know, they're planning on playing interior in steam, but can play at tackle down the road if Lane Johnson, uh, whenever he hangs it up. Um, obviously, Sidney Brown's a big get uh, as safety position that, that, you know, obviously needed uh, an immediate uh, inflection of, of young talent after uh, CJ Gardner Johnson left. Um, they obviously getting Carter and Nolan Smith, two guys that, you know, don't necessarily need to play right away, but but certainly it boosts up their the interior defensive line and then the edge group that's already really talented and, and productive. So overall, I think they did a really good job in getting the guys at spots of needs, but they don't necessarily need to play right away. But getting con- contributions from them early on will help project this team to potentially another NFC championship and uh, another Super Bowl appearance. So I want to kind of parlay that into the OTAs and uh, those starting up the Eagles, you know, the players go in there and I know it's voluntary, uh, but a lot of players are there. And of course you see a lot of the rookies, you see some of these players for the first time. And what are a couple takeaways on your end that you had coming out? See, I know you don't get to see everything. I know it's very limited. They're not in pads, you know, all that stuff. But uh, what are your kind of a couple takeaways from, you know, the OTAs and what you've seen? Um, the team is fast, man. Um, I, I think that kind of sticks out. You you look at who they already have uh, there already and then then adding the young guys. And even some of the new faces, uh, they have a premium on, on getting not only, you know, talented players, but but are fast, um, athletic, uh, can can move fluidly. Um, I mean, you you look down the line and, and look at the roster in general. Um, there there are a lot of versatile guys as well. So you know, Steen obviously working in the interior, but has a tackle background. Uh, Sidney Brown playing a lot of box safety in the box, but, you know, can play uh, one-on-one with tight ends in space. I think that that really just stood out to me in general, just the speed uh, of this group in general. Um, and and just the mix of, of veterans and young players, it doesn't feel like one is too off balance. You know, there I think there's a nice mix uh, of both groups where it doesn't feel like one group is – uh, it's not, you know, obviously you want to have a lot of older and, and experienced veterans, but they also have guys that, you know, are new, you know, guys that are in their fourth, fifth years. So I, I think it, it's really a nice collection of of talent in general. Like you're not relying too much on guys that are too old, but also you, you have, especially at, at premium positions, young guys and guys battling. I think the secondary group in general, I think, is going to be the biggest group uh, to to watch just moving forward as we continue to summer workouts and getting closer to training camp. I think that group has a lot of young talent, a lot of uh, untapped and and unproven talent in that group that, you know, you could could see it go a myriad of ways outside Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury. So I want to kind of also bring this up too. When you're looking at some of the players, and you mentioned the secondary, talking about them, uh, some of the cross training. Uh, I do see 
uh, there's some tidbits in there about, you know, Zach McPherson playing some slot and certain, and it's, which in my opinion, I think he's better suited to play that than the outside. And of course you see what they did in the draft and then undrafted free agents, uh, players that they got that are mostly on that side and in the free agent market with uh, greedy Williams, getting another outside corner uh, to not have to, you know, I, I think relying on Bradbury and Slay to stay healthy uh, the whole entire season. I just, I don't expect you to be as healthy as you were last year. So getting a player like Greedy Williams, and I know he's had an injury history, but getting a veteran on the outside and being able to do what they did in the draft and then uh, do certain things with some of the undrafted free agents to you know, try to see what they have, I think is smart. But with that, like when you're looking at that position and you look at the slot corner position with Avante Maddox, and I know he's had the last couple of seasons has been been out with some injuries and they tried the Josiah Scott last year. And, you know, for me, I feel like that is a position of the backup slot corner is going to be a big time battle come camp with who's going to get that spot um, to back up Avante Maddox. How do you feel with that position? Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be an, an interesting battle for sure. You, you bring up McPherson. Uh, I even throw Josh Joe in the mix as well. I know he's been a young guy. They've been bullish about, um, for quite some time. So I think those two guys in particular are, are going to have a nice battle, you know, in, in, in the slot, you know, maybe you, you throw Keely Ringo, Ringo in there and see what he has in the slot. I think, you know, you can never have too many options, especially as a, as a nickel. Uh, but, but you want someone that knows the system and that's been around for a little bit. Uh, obviously, with Sean Desai coming in, uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly where they, how they deploy the, that nickel in particular, and and who fits best for for what they want to do. But I think you you have guys like McPherson and Joe that have been around for a little bit. I think they are going to make it an interesting battle. Uh, you know, while we're penciling in Maddox, you know, maybe they decide to go another way, especially if if his if injuries continue to creep up on Maddox. So I think that's going to be an interesting battle for sure to watch. Uh, and, and, you know, personally coming out, I like Josh show. I like, like for what he brought to the table, uh, his athleticism. Um, and obviously uh, hasn't been the smoothest transition in NFL uh, being UDFA, but, but I think he, he has a real shot here to, um, you know, really have a chance to, to get some playing time and, and, and compete for that nickel spot. So, uh, I wouldn't count out Joe uh, in in that ability and, and what he can bring to the table. <clears throat> so I think the uh, right now, in my opinion, the biggest weakness on this roster is probably linebacker. Um, there's potential with with with, uh, with Dean from Georgia. Um, they brought in Nicholas Morrow. Um, they're just really thin there, and you know, last year they had uh, Edwards and Kaiser, and they played pretty well both together um, all year. They're both gone now, and Dean pretty much is redshirted. Um, I feel as if, like, they have to bring somebody in in order to give, like, somebody competition because you can't just give this position away. Um, I mean, I'm Dean's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be a very good vocal leader. Um, he's he's you know, undersized, but I think he can get away with some things just because he's so smart. Um, his football IQ is just ridiculous. Um do you see where a potential trade could come into play? Uh, maybe a little pickup late in the, in the off season. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, always crucial to to have bodies and have experienced bodies in, in a room that's, uh, you know, not very experienced. And, uh, you know, with training camp comes a lot of unexpected cuts, whether it be cap casualties or uh, they're just not fitting out with the new scheme. So I don't know if we'll see any moves in particular in terms of trades, maybe until we're well into training camp. Uh, in, in well into the preseason, but I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Um, and obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be teams wanting to unload veterans or or move veterans that don't want to be, uh, you know, on, on potential losing teams. So I expect the Eagles to, especially once they finally get into camp, have everyone in, start to get in pads, especially with that linebacker group isn't looking as good as they had imagined. Mm-hmm. Um I, I would expect they would start to get aggressive and uh, watch for some of those, those like I said, cap casualties or, or cuts uh, right. that, that we may not see coming uh, well in well into training camp. So I think we, we may have to wait a little bit of time to see that kind of unfold and come to fruition. But right. uh, with the linebacker position in particular, um, you know, I think you've got to have several bodies ready to play. It's just such a, a position that, yeah, I mean, you're banging every play. Uh, there's a, it's, you know, Eagles were were very lucky with in terms of the injury uh, bug last year. But, right. Uh, that that's a group, you know, particularly across the NFL that I think they're trying to get more and more talented bodies. And we've seen, you know, with the Eagles, what they did last year with that linebacker group, and it wasn't exactly the most heralded, but um, you know, they they got it done, and and I expect them to. Uh, continue to bring in a more buys for for competition and, and and see kind of how it unfolds from there. So you, you talk about like competition. I think another position when you look at the competition in terms of the you know in OTAs and then you look at uh, you kind of see where they line up in low T- OTAs. Like who goes out first? Who goes out second? And then come in the training camp is the offensive line that right guard position. I know Cam Jurgens was drafted last year to be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey and. Then, of course, like you mentioned when you were talking about the Eagles draft, Tyler Steen, who was a left tackle at uh, Alabama, was played tackle at Vanderbilt as well before going to Alabama, and can play uh, a multitude of positions there. And basically, another thing when you look at a veteran, you don't want to just you know hand one of these guys. Maybe you bring a veteran as well. I know they worked out DJ Fluker, um, who's been in the league multiple times. So. What do you think on that position? Because I think that's the, of course, that's the weakest on the offensive line. Not that it's a super big weakness when you look at the players that are involved, but, you know, Sam Alu's moved on to Pittsburgh. What do you feel with that position and what they could possibly do? Yeah, I think that was going to be uh, a tough one to figure out um, because you you would think, you know, Jurgens kind of had a redshirt year as well, kind of sat back and watched, um, obviously, uh, you know, you expect him to to be behind Kelsey, but I think it, it really just going to come down to who performs the best, you know, in, in between him uh, and Tyler Steen. I think, I think it really comes down to those two names, uh, especially just the way they uh, obviously announced Steen as a guard, but uh, they, they really like him and, and like what, what his skill set brings. And, and honestly, when you, when you watch his tape, you really like what he does in, in the run game and in the power he can generate uh, and what he did from the tackle position. Um, and then obviously as a pass protector, it was a little up and down there, but he's not going to be going against 
you know, some of those those freak athletes he was going against in college. Uh, but but he will go against uh, some some bigger dudes in the interior. So I think uh, between him and Jurgens, I, I think it really comes down to that battle. Uh, who can can string more consistent plays uh, back to back to back? Um, and and neither play are, are, are true guards in a sense. Um, but but I think it it really comes down to the consistency and and who can string together. Uh, you know the most days in a row uh, of, of performing well. Because uh, look, I mean the Eagles defensive line is not going to be easy to go up against. I mean. Uh, Fletcher Cox, obviously, uh, Jalen Carter to the mix, Milton Williams. Um, they're going to go through the, the gauntlet uh, just in practice alone. So I, I think it's going to give us a good read on on where they might go at the, the guard position. Um, but, but I think, uh, you know, probably second, third week of training camp, I think we're going to get an indication of, of who may be in the lead or, or who has their, the, the inside track to, to start in right guard. But that competition is, is certainly going to be the most one of the most fun ones to watch on the offensive line uh, and just on the offense in general. Yeah, and I think uh, another one you have to look at when you look at competition, especially in this camp and uh, you know upcoming preseason, is the safety position. Uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson, of course, leaves to go to Detroit, and you have a lot of uncertainty when you look at you know Reed Blankenship did flash. Um, you signed Terrell Edmonds. Uh, you sign Justin Evans, you draft Sidney Brown. So it, there's a lot there when you look at that. Do the Eagles look um, at a potential trade? Do they look at a potential signing of a, of a veteran? There are some veterans still out there. I think that's um, very interesting because I think, in, you know, what I feel with them is they want to see what they have with this group of guys. And if one of these, you know, a couple of these guys stand out that they're, that they don't need to go, to the trade market or the free agency market to get another guy that they feel safe with these, uh, whether it's four or five guys, depending on, on who they, who they keep. Um, I think that's kind of where they're going to go, but I think it's going to be an interesting aspect to see where these players line up, who's first team, who's second team, and who kind of comes out of the battle uh, for the safeties. What do you feel on, on that position? Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be interesting because it's a lot of diverse skill sets as well. Uh, you know, with, with mentioning with Sidney Brown, what he's bringing to the table, um, you know, as a as a run defender inside the box, physical presence, but but defending tight ends one on one. How do they want to deploy these players? I think it's going to be uh, even a, a more interesting conversation. Uh, just some of the roles they've done in the past, uh, like Justin Evans, um, and and bringing in some of these other names. I think it's just going to be interesting to see where exactly uh, they fit on the back end and where they're, they're most comfortable with and playing with. Um, my only concern about bringing in more players uh, potentially for competition or, or to see uh, if they kind of fit is, is, you know, what, what is the timing of that? You know, just cause like you're going to spend a lot of these next month or two uh, installing and, and, and learning and, and kind of reacting and playing uh, based in this scheme. Um, you know, obviously CJ Gardner Johnson, he came in and was able to make an impact immediately. Um, but, you know, with, with these other players, I don't think you're going to get necessarily that same immediate impact. So it's going to be more about, okay, you know, if I'm going to play Sidney Brown here and start him, where what positions can I put him in to to not leave him vulnerable? 
uh, you know, playing opposite opposite of, of Reed Blankenship. Like, I think it's going to be interesting to see how do these guys kind of pair up together. Like, who plays all well off of who? Um, who can accentuate someone's strengths and and minimize their weaknesses? So I think it's, it's going to be about like not only just like who's going to get that that other safety spot particularly, but like how do they play off of each other? Do they have a good chemistry on the back end? Um, you know, do they have good communication on the back end? Are they picking up on things uh, that that other other players aren't picking up on? So I think that's going to be kind of the thing to watch is uh, not only like okay, who's gonna who's you know going with the first rep, first team, second team, third team, but like when they're in there together, like who is uh, making plays uh, with who? You know, who is exchanging? you know, uh, different coverages and different drops with who I think that's going to be kind of what I, you know, would like to to take a deep, deeper look at, you know, as training camp gets gets going is uh, the the pairings and, and who exactly uh, is working off who and, and, and doing and making plays uh, on the back end uh, that they need ultimately to, to get those turnovers and, and, and even get off the field on third downs. So another question when you look at this team, and I want to ask you this because uh, last year's run, everything that uh, that happened with this with this team, uh, the emergence of Jalen Hurts uh, as a leader, as a player, what what is I don't know. You see it on the practice field, see it, you know, you know around the team. Like, what kind of a leader is Jalen Hurts, and what kind of a person is he? Is you know towards the teammates and everything. Uh, he's an uplifter, um, you know, their biggest cheerleader, um, someone that that motivates them to uh, get better every day. Um, you know, someone that, you know, just in general wants to see the, the his teammates succeed around him. You know, he doesn't care about, you know, who is making the touchdowns or, uh, you know, who is, is racking up the stats and, um, you know, and, and getting the job, he's more worried about getting the job done, even if it's ugly, you know, even if it's not uh, a conventional way. Um, and, and, you know, talking to people that, that have seen him, you know, in college and, and, and over the years, uh, he's just such has such supreme confidence in himself. And I think that just radiates to, to his teammates and, and what he's able to do, how he's able to just say a few words and, and get them going uh, just the synergy he has obviously with AJ Brown. Um, and I think they, they respect that, you know, I think players respect someone that not only works hard and, and, you know, goes about their business, but, you know, wants to see everyone else around him, uh, you know, be successful and, and, and just continue to uplift his teammates when they're down uh, the confidence that even if he makes a bad play, he's going to go back out and, and, and you know, correct the wrongs and uh, get things done. So I think the the biggest thing that stands out is just, and especially just talking to him is just how confident he is in himself and and how he doesn't worry about the outside noise. You know, obviously it's it's been a big you know off season for him. Uh, getting the contract uh, was just in a commercial. Um, you know, all the things that come with that. But you know, when he steps in between those lines, you know, nothing else matters. You know. It, it, just getting about getting it, getting the win, and then like day to day, getting better, and and that's really all you can ask for. So, you know, last year I, I would I would 
constitute Jalen Hurts being a breakout candidate uh, when you look at his season and what he did um, from 2021 to 2022. Uh, do you have anybody in mind that you would say could be a breakout candidate for 2023? Mm. Cause I have one in mind, but I want, I want to hear what yours is. Give you mine. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Milton Williams. Um, and I think, you know, obviously he hasn't had the, quite the production you would expect from, uh, from when they took him, but, I think having, you know, another body of competition in, you know, with Jalen Carter um, and and potentially getting to play some uh, some versatile positions on along the defensive line um, and, and just, you know, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat come into their own the edge. I think it's really going to open him up to uh, really focus on in on his one on one matchups and, and, and really take a step forward in this game. Um, I do expect Jalen Carr to, to, to get some playing time this year, obviously Jordan Davis as well, uh, after not playing, uh, a, you know, playing here and there last year, but I think for Milton, you know, this is kind of the time to, okay, you know, I've, I've been around for a couple of years, uh, I've seen more and more names and bodies come in, you know, it's time for me to, to have my, my time and my breakout. And and I think he's ready to do that, especially with the the departure of Javon Hargrave. So I, I'm gonna go with Milton Williams. I I believe in his talent, uh, what he's able to do as a disruptor. Um, and I think this is gonna be the year that you know we say, okay, Milton Williams is taking that step forward and and, and ready to be uh, one of the main contributors on this defense. So I had the same positional group, um, but I went with the Jordan Davis aspect. I know you did mention him. And the reason that I, I'm saying he's gonna be a breakout. Yeah, he had an okay season. He had he had an injury, um, and then coming back from that, it's always tough with the size, his size, uh, coming back from high ankle sprain. But I think the one big thing with him and his basically his next step is he got to learn behind a veteran in Linval Joseph. Got to see uh, what he did, and Domkin Sue was there as well. Fletcher Cox is still there, uh, but I feel that he's gonna take that next step. He knows how you know, what his, what body, what his body needs to be in, what kind of shape it needs to be in and every step that he needs to take in terms of being an NFL player. Um, you, you go from college to NFL. It is different in the way that you train in the way that everything is um, constituted on the NFL field. Uh, of course you do have a new defensive coordinator in there as well. Um, but I feel like he did show flashes, especially, you know, training camp. You saw him and then the beginning of the season, he played, he played okay. He played pretty well. Um, and then the injury, I think, slowed his development towards the end of that season. And I don't know if it was from having the injury, not being in the best of shape, but I feel that he's determined enough to be able to take that next step and to be that um, nose tackle, that run stuffer, that this defense needs. And I think that he could take that next step and be um, that player and why they drafted him so high uh, last season. Uh, but I have him as my breakout candidate. And of course it, it always helps when you have uh, the amount of pass rushers and the amount of talent on the defensive line that they have, that 
um, is going to be able to, for him to showcase his talents and not always be double and triple teamed if they have to focus with the other guys on the line. But that's why I had Jordan Davis as my breakout candidate. Yeah, I, I certainly don't, you know, I, he was certainly one I thought about and um, you you just got to think he's, he's going to put it together, you know, just the crazy athleticism he has, um, you know, now he's, I mean, he's getting more and more of his former Georgia teammates, uh, you know, joining him on, on the defensive line. So uh, he's, he's going to start to feel like home. And I think, think uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a really big season and uh, really going to have an opportunity to, to shine, uh, you know, after uh, starting to, to catch some fire there last year, but, but the injuries derailed him a little bit. All right. So last question and everything we're going to end it before we uh, wrap everything up here is, Chris Sims finished his uh, quarterback rankings, his top 40 quarterback rankings, and he had Jalen Hurts at number seven. And the biggest thing with it was his explanation. And his explanation was about the blown lead in the Super Bowl. And I know Darius Slake commented on it uh, today. He mentioned, you know, they scored 35 points. It was, you know, on our end, had to, you know, do our part too. And it's just funny because the way I see it, you want to bring up he blew a lead in the Super Bowl. And it's just funny how he brings that up. But then he just says nothing about Justin Herbert. His team was up 27-0. And they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's number four because he's a machine. That's what he said. He's a machine. I'm sorry. They, the guy hasn't won a playoff game. And, yeah, he could be all great, all, all whatever you, you say. But I, me, I just think he has an agenda towards Hurts and towards the running quarterback because he had he had Lamar at number five as well, and you know I I don't know I just think there's there's something there that maybe it's because everyone gave him crap because he had him at what twenty five last year and then the year before he didn't have him at all on his top forty so I don't know I I just feel like it's pretty disrespectful I'm at seven and then to mention that but not say a thing about Justin Herbert. I think that's what kind of buried him even more. Yeah, I think, you know, the the thing uh, about those, you know, kind of things he makes and whatnot is that if he's wrong, he's not going to acknowledge it. You know, yeah. it's going to be one of those things he, like, you know, kind of just brushes off and 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 look like it, it doesn't, like, to me, I don't mind if you rank him at seven, okay. Like, if you think, Herbert's a better quarterback than then just say that you know don't like kind of hide behind the fact like oh he blew a lead but uh, most of the quarterbacks on that list blew a lead at some point in the year you know mm -hmm. and look Hurst played toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mahomes and and I don't think anyone can deny that yeah one turnover that that he made sure it, it led to points for the Chiefs but we can't sit here and act like that was the like he like actively just blew the lead and, and wasn't playing some of the best football his career. You yeah. know, I, I think you got to be able to acknowledge both like, okay, the, the turnover was certainly detrimental, but okay. What about the rest of the time? You know, what about the drive before, you know, the chiefs went down and kicked the field goal like there, you got to be able to, to do both sides and, and take both sides. And I think uh, a lot of his takes certainly are one-sided and, and look, the man had, Kellen Mond ranked over several quarterbacks in the 21 class. So, you know, 
take it with a grain of salt. That's all I say. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And I think part of it too is if you rate a Philadelphia quarterback low or anything Philadelphia, if you say anything negative, it's going to be a lot of clicks and a lot of people commenting, which means more views for him. So again, it could be a strategy as well. Uh, we all know how that goes in the city of brotherly love. Uh, but yeah, well, we'll see. I'm excited for this season. Uh, Devin, I appreciate you coming on, uh, talking with us. Definitely. We'll have to get you on, um, closer to the season, talk a little bit more with the Eagles and the outlook of the 2023 season. Um, just let everyone know where, where they can find you and what you're, what you're up to. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at real D underscore Jackson. Um, find my work on, on the inquirer, uh, right now, just kind of laying it low, um, you know, focusing on some, some more betting things, uh, at the inquirer. So I'm kind of handling that, but, uh, when football season comes back around, uh, I'll certainly be ramping up the content and, and getting back to it. But uh, just taking a little bit of a debrief over this this summer break and uh, as we get into these summer months, but but ready to uh, in in the next month or so, uh, ready to start ramping it back up. Yeah, and again, like I said, thank you for joining us tonight. And we always end this with a very happy and joyful go birds, go birds. Support for AAT Sports Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. With this offer, you'll join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Enjoy 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AAT Sports. That is AAT Sports at Manscaped.com. As a married man, I have been there. Personal grooming can be difficult and pretty painful. Luckily, the performance package 4.0 has arrived and oh man, it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, a pair of performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your new tools. First off, the lawnmower 4.0. This thing is the future of grooming. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will be thankful. To top it all off, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. So remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code AATSports at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code AATSports to support us. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.